Hey church, how are we? All right, let's do something real quick. Let's welcome all of our first time guests and everyone who's online watching right now. Give you guys a shout out. So glad to have you. My name's Jeff and I'm one of our pastors on staff and we are in a series called House Party, which we really came up with a few weeks ago, this idea uh, as we were teaching another message series. Um, there was a father who had a wayward son who was gone, who burned up all the family money, who had run away, who was on his way back, and the dad stops like everything going on at the family ranch and all of its family dysfunction, and he welcomes his son home. And we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and at the end of this passage, it says, he says, let's, let's celebrate. And so we came up with this, guy, this idea, basically kind of out of that idea, that passage, understanding that that's what we ought to be doing every weekend. Every weekend, this church ought to be a celebration for people who are finding their way back to God. Essentially, uh, every person here is finding their way back to God. Whether you're the newbie, uh, you're not even a Christian, you're not even like what we would say like a follower of Jesus, you're not saved, you're finding your way back to God whether you know it or not. If you're a brand new believer, you're like, I just became a believer, I'm tracking. Or whether you're mature, you've grown, you love Jesus, you're all in, we're still all finding our way back to God, right? No one's arrived. And so what we understand is if we're finding our way back to God, in light of that passage, every time we gather together ought to be a celebration for those who are finding their way back to God. So, our, so, so everyone would understand that just like that visual of that father, that's a, that father re, re, receiving his son, it's a visual of our heavenly father with his arms wide open for us. And my hope is this. My hope is this church would always be the kind of church that would make every man, woman, and child who would walk through the doors of our church or connect with us, however they connect with us throughout the week, that they would feel like they are wanted and welcomed and this is the most exciting, accepting place on the planet. That's our hope. So let me tell you what we're going to do today. Uh, Richard did a phenomenal job last week kicking off this series. Uh, I'm going to do part two of this. And I'm going to kind of give you the why behind the what. Why do we do what we do? Uh, why do we have smoke? Uh, it's not literal smoke, but a smoke machine. Why do we have flags out front? Why do we have Sam Hunt playing house party before the service starts, right? Why do we do some of that stuff? Uh, so I'm going to unpack that today. Let me just say, if you're a guest today, it's a great day for you. It's a great day for you to kind of see why we do what we do and for you to kind of just let your hair down, relax, and be our guest. For the rest of us, this is going to be a shot in the arm. It's going to be a challenge for us to look at something that Jesus unpacks and explains that this is the whole point of how we grow. This is the whole point of how we really develop spiritually, how we find peace, how we find satisfaction and fulfillment is found in this passage I'm going to show you today in John. So if you've got your Bible, open your Bibles up. Uh, if you're new to Bible study, no worries. Uh, we actually have this all up on screens and you've got message notes today. Uh, but in John, which is the, what is it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth book, in the New Testament, there's two parts, Old Testament and New. New Testament, fourth book, John. Uh, we're going to be in chapter uh, 4. And I'm going to base this whole passage off the next few verses uh, that Jesus talks about. Now, Jesus had just uh, had an encounter with this woman 
the story is kind of called the woman at the well in the Bible. So right after this encounter with this woman, Jesus has been busy doing work, doing ministry, serving people, helping, just going and going and going. And all of a sudden, his his disciples, his followers, like his little band of brothers, uh, they get worried that Jesus might be hungry, like he might need food. So this is the conversation right after they start getting kind of aware that Jesus has been going. It might be the fact that they've been going. They might be getting hungry. All right, so they bring this up to Jesus. Let me show you this. John chapter 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, that's what they called Jesus then, uh, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, Jesus says, says here, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Like they were perplexed. Uh, so you have this moment where uh, Jesus realizes that they've got a physical need. He realizes, although he's a full-on physical person, he's not hungry, or he's already had his fill of what's satisfied him. But he takes this moment recognizes they've got a need, I'm going I'm to teach them something today that's going to satisfy them way beyond a physical food need. So I think he's planning this uh, talk, and uh, I think they maybe think that uh, how in the world could he not be hungry after he says this? Uh, maybe someone slipped him a Happy Meal, or maybe someone showed up without us knowing this and gave him some Five Guys, or maybe he had a Chick-fil-A. No, it was, it was Sunday probably. Um, <laughs> So somehow they're assuming that, you know, someone showed up and like had five guys and left them out, right? You ever, you ever, uh, have you ever been, have you ever wanted something and you say, hey, let's go to Krispy Kreme Donuts. Let's all go. Let's get fired up. Let's have Krispy Kreme. Really? Because you want it? You ever done that before? I do that every week. I do that with our church. That's why we have Krispy Kreme Donuts here. I wanted them just, just cause I wanted them. I don't care about you guys at all. Um, <laughs> So, so here Jesus is, and they ask the question, could someone have brought him food? Well, no, he, he's, he's, he's not hungry in that way. So Jesus says this in verse 34, and I think this is so unbelievable, and this is the point he makes this profound. He says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the what? The, say this with me out loud, the will of him who sent me, and to what? Finish his work. He's talking about his heavenly father began this work, the work of every man, woman, and child on this planet coming to a saving knowledge, an understanding, a life transformation, uh, an eternal uh, someday place that we'd have with God. Every person getting to that place would know him. And so he's explaining that he's doing his father's work, and that's what's filling him up. So essentially what's happening here is Jesus is saying, my food, my nourishment is something else. It's something that that you aren't experiencing quite yet. You're you're grappling with this idea of hunger. But let me tell you something really important. And so when everyone else is thinking about fill me, fill me, fill me, fill my needs, meet my needs, Jesus says what fills me is to fill others. What is life transforming that I want to pass on to you? Don't be so consumed with fill me, fill me, take care of me, take care of me. But if you will go after filling others, you'll be full yourself. So Jesus explains this. 
And what's interesting is the disciples, they were, con- they were so concerned with consumption that all they could think about was their need to eat and, and to get filled up. Jesus said his nourishment was a- actually investing into the lives of others. Now, uh, you, you guys realize this, that we're all by nature, every one of us, every person here, if I asked for a raise of hands, which I did last hour, and, and no one raised their hands but like three people, when I said, how many of you guys, if you were honest, you would say, you, you can teeter into being a little self-centered sometimes, right? You guys are so much more honest than the first hour. You guys, you know, you, you would say, I can be self-centered sometimes. I can be a little, you know, selfish sometimes. I see people elbowing their spouse next to them right now. Uh, but, it, but it is our nature. We are self-centered. We're selfish. Um, we're, we're, we're fallen, right? From the time of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve until now, we're, we're fallen people, right? We are sinful people. And one of our struggles, and I've heard it said before, that we're all on a pride ride. We all love when we are serving ourselves. And I'll, I'll be real honest. I think about me way more than I think about anything else. Anything else. I think about Krispy Kreme donuts a lot, and I think about me more than them. And, 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 and I think this is something that, as Jesus tries to show this to these guys, I think essentially he's saying, if we can grasp this, both in our minds and our hearts, this is going to be something that is going to, to, to be a game changer for us spiritually. Uh, I have people all the time say, Jeff, I just, I just, I'm not growing. I mean, I want to be close to God, but I'm just, I feel like I'm just stuck in my faith. I'm stuck in my belief. I'm stuck in my growth. I, we're stuck in our marriage. We're stuck, we're stuck, we're stuck. This is, this is, Jesus is talking about, this is the game changer. Jesus literally says, the food that I'm talking about, you're sort of unaware of, but it's the thing that's filling me. And so Jesus tells them this so they would get this. So um, I, I, would, I would say that um, this is something that we don't have to be taught, um, being selfish. When, when, if, you've, if you've ever been a parent before, I, 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 would, I would say that there's not a parent here that would say they had to teach their kids how to be selfish. We had my nephews with us re- recently, my son's two youngest boys, and they're real little. And uh, man, they are funny, rough, cool little kids. But you want to watch them all of a sudden get shook up. You have one of them, two brothers, take something from the other brother, and they're, I mean, they're throwing bows. I mean, they're just, they're just going at it, right? Nobody had to tell them, boys, when someone takes your stuff, go ahead and just get mad and scream and say mine and punch your brother. No, one, no parent taught their kids that. It's just something that's wired from birth in us. Um, when I was little, the thing that probably sets this conversation up best and the thing that I remember the most was when I was a kid, I remember going to McDonald's. And by the way, there's a, there's a McDonald's movie out right now. You guys seen it? Anybody seen it? McDonald's movie? It's a good movie. It talks about the whole beginning of McDonald's and what happened and where it went and how the, the leadership structure changed and one guy that took over. It's a really good movie. But I remember going to McDonald's as a kid, and I can still recall 
the, the, the saying and the marketing of their, their, their hamburgers. It was always two, what was it? Two what? Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, and a, all pickles on a sesame seed bun, right? Most of us, if you're around my age roughly, or even you recognize marketing and that they still didn't use that, that's what we remember. But here's, here's the game changer. That was how you got a burger back then. You showed up. You didn't ask for anything else. That's just how you got it. That's all we ever knew up, up until that point. Prior to that, there was no fast food joints. You would have to go sit down and order a meal, and it took long. And back then, you never knew if you had time enough to eat it, if you were on the road traveling, if you were busy. You didn't know if you were going to get the exact same thing, if it was going to take the exact, the exact, taste the exact same way. McDonald's comes along, and they, gives you, they give you this whole new like paradigm shift of fast food, done right, quick, and always done the same way. But you're going to get it exactly the way they stated it to you. Unless you got it and you took everything off that you didn't want. But then all of a sudden, Burger King came along. And what did they say? They said, you can now have it your way. And all of a sudden, like, light bulbs went off in people's minds. You mean I don't have to have it like the way McDonald's does it or the way Burger King does it? I can have it however I want to have it? All of a sudden, you know, however Burger King did it with two, two, three pickles and two tomatoes and lettuce, mustard and ketchup, now... They said, you're in control. You can show up and whatever combination you want or nothing at all, you can have it your way. And this was massive. All of a sudden, this shifted our marketing culture from going to a culture of having things done our way. More of a consumer culture. Now, um, I, I, um, I wrote this down because I think this is kind of cool. But I heard a comedian say this one time. And I think it embodies uh, where we're at in our world today. Listen to, you, listen to this and see if you just, some of the rings, some of, the, some of these words, see how they ring in your ears to see if they're true. All right, comedian said this. Um, quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, savings, performance, experience, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money back guarantee, free installation, free admission, free appraisal. Free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. No cash, no problem, no kidding. No fuss, no muss, no risk, no obligation. No red tape, no down payment, no entry fee. No hidden fee, no purchase necessary. No one will call on you. No payments until January. No interest until January. And don't forget to pick up your free gift. A classic, deluxe, custom designer, luxury, prestige, high-quality, premium, one-of-a-kind pencil holder. Yours for the asking, no purchase necessary. Why? Because you're important to us. And what happened since then and until now, we are just caught up in our culture. We are a culture of consumers. Point of all this is, all of a sudden, we, since then, till now, we've become a consumer-minded society. Um, and this mindset, honestly, it's it's... It's in everything. It's, it's how we're wired. It's how we think. We live in this world. It affects all of us. It affects our kids from, you know, all the things that we give them and all the fun and places we take them. I mean, all of us are some spoiled, spoiled to some degree. And I think it's great. We should spoil, you know, everybody. It's fun, right? But here's the thing. This is something that's affected our, char- our church culture. 
This is, this is really something that's affected all of our church cultures. Um, I hear this often, and, and, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but preachers, we go to preacher conferences, and we all get together, and we talk about you guys, right? We go to big pastors' conferences, a couple thousand pastors. We rub shoulders of all kind of pastors out there. We talk and learn and get, hey, what are, you guys, what are you guys experiencing? Hey, what's going on in your world? Hey, what's happening over there? What's happening across the pond? What's happening across the globe? Oh, these are all similar across the, 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 the world and what's going on in our minds today. And so one of the things that we hear a lot is, I'm church shopping. I'm church shopping. Like, like you're going to a mall looking, pair of red, looking for a pair of red, red shoes or something, right? Uh, like you're looking for the pair that fits you perfectly, that sounds right, that smells right, smells on you. Uh, but you're looking for the perfect color. You're working for, for, you know, all of that. But we hear that often. I'm church shopping. And essentially what is being said is we can't find a church that meets our what? Our needs. And it's this mindset that when I come and show up, this is all about meeting my needs. Now see, what happens is so many of us, and I'm, I'm even guilty of it, I'll show up and I'm like the pastor here or one of the pastors here, and I'll show up and I'm like, I'm not having my needs met right now. And I'll get my feathers ruffled when the church I'm a part of is not even meeting my own needs, and I'm like, but what's in it for me? I would like to get more out of this, right? I want more out of this. And what I forget is it's not about me. It's really not even for me. It's for everyone. It's for outsiders. It's for people who are not yet connected. It's for all of us finding our way back to God. And the way we find our way back to God is filling others. So Jesus talked about this. This is crazy. So what we did was three years ago. Three years ago, we said, all right, there's some things that really um, have kind of just oozed out of who we are. There's some statements we say all the time. There's a real strong set of different values that, that we just see. And let's put words around those. So three years ago, we went through a, like, a, like a three-year strategy process and really sifted through and really worded how we feel about several things from Scripture. And so if you ever walk out on the outside of this big wall right here, we have probably 12, 11 or 12 value statements, shared values. Things that we say, that's who we are. And those are things that we think are valuable for the church and extremely valuable for our growth and extremely valuable for other people finding their way back to God. So this is, this is the one I'm talking about today. Uh, we say it like this. We are spiritual contributors. We are not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. Why? Because we are the church and we are the hope of the world. That's what we believe. And we get that from this passage. So here Jesus is explaining this to his disciples because they're feeling malnourished. They're consumed with, fill me, fill me, fill me. And Jesus says, essentially, the way you're going to be filled is if you will do what I'm doing, and that is filling others. And we know this. If you're in a marriage, if, if you're in a relationship, and one of you is always serving yourself, and you're never serving the other person, you're never helping the other person, you're never loving the other person, you get, you get, you get kind of like, this is kind of a one-sided deal here, right? What we say in marriage is marriage is like 100%, 100%. All of us should be sacrificing 100% of everything we are for each other in a marriage relationship. Where did we get that idea of marriage like that? From Jesus. 
Jesus and his relationship with the church, us. And he wanted us to model that so that the rest of the world would know who he is. And guess who the benefits, the recipients of that are? Us. We get the benefit if we'll serve others, fill others' buckets, love others the way Jesus was, and finish the work that God started, we would grow. Our lives would change. Your marriage would be, your marriage would be better. You'd be better parents all the way around. This is a principle that works hands down in every area of our life if we would learn to think less about ourselves and serve others more. So I, I jotted this down in your notes. I hope you don't find offense in this, but I wanted you to rate yourself. All right, so in your notes, uh, before you circle a number, let me explain how this might look. All right, so I've got a little consumer over on one side and one being like you're the absolute most consumer-minded person in the world. So let's just say no one in here is number one because we'll just reserve that for like Satan himself, okay? Satan, he's that's bad. No one's going to be a one in here. No one's that bad, all right? And let's say on the other side of contributors, you're the greatest contributor of all time. Nobody in here is a 10, all right? That would, that would be reserved for the one who said, I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to give my life, give my blood, and I'm going to take away the sins of the world. If you think you're Jesus, just ask two or three people around you, and they'll tell you you're not, okay? You're not Jesus, okay? So no one's a one, no one's a ten, all right? So let me just tell you how this, how this works. All right, if you, and if you're a guest today, again, like, be our guest, right? You can consume because you're new, right? You can consume. There's plenty of times that you need to just consume, too. Let me, let me, let me give a little extra handlebar on this. There's plenty of times you're going through some real struggles in life, right? You've had some difficult transitions. You, you, you're, you're not at a place where you can contribute. You need to consume, right? That's where we get to be uh, the church for each other oftentimes, right? But there is this mindset that even if you're going through a difficulty, if you constantly think about your pain, your struggle, your problem, your difficulty, and you can, waddle, you can wallow in that to where you kill yourself. So I know this. Even when you're going through a struggle, if you'll think of others and serve others in your struggle, your struggle isn't all that bad. It really, it really is genius. How I, don't, I, don't, I can't even imagine how God thought of this in advance, how this helps us tremendously, but it does. So if, you drop, if you've ever showed up, and you, 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 you walk three or four kids down this hallway, or one, or five, or how many you have, and you dropped your kids off uh, to someone who was serving in the back. You made your way, and you're like, all right, Krispy Kreme donuts, awesome. And I hope you all have those. Those are wonderful. It's a great treat we get to have in our church. Uh, you had your coffee. You sat down in a chair that somebody else paid for. Um, you, you, you've been a recipient and a benefactor of a great morning, a great message. You went home, and like, that was awesome. But you never contributed. You never helped, you never served, you never did anything, you never gave, then let's just say you're like a two or a three, all right? That's not to be negative. Let's just, let's just kind of today, just let's just sift through where we're really at, all right, in this, all right? So say, say you are someone who you've shown up with them kids, you've, you've on occasion, you've helped somewhere, uh, maybe you've tipped a little bit here, the, the whole offering thing, or maybe you've gone online, you've given online, or you text to give, you're like, cool, cool new technology, I'll give something. Maybe you've served before, maybe it was an Easter service, or, you know, we had some event, and you showed up, you're like, this is fun, I'll help. 
um, and you've contributed somewhere and you've served and you've you know, been a part. All right, let's just say you're like four or five, maybe six, right? And then there, there's probably, there's lots of us who I would say are like seven, eight, nines. You're all in. Like, you get it. You realize, like, I, I'm, we are the church, right? The church is not somebody else. I'm the church. We're a part of the church. I'm part of this body. You know, I, I'm playing my role. I've come out of the stands. You know, I, I've, I've been playing on this team. Um, I serve consistently. I give consistently. I even sacrifice at times. Um, you're, you're playing your role not just like, I mean, maybe even on Sundays, but I mean, you're going out with, like uh, our homeless ministry, M2540, and maybe you're serving your neighbors across the street. You're part of a community. You're in a small group. Let's just say you're doing a great job. Woo! Awesome. You're growing spiritually. Let's just say you're a seven, eight, or nine, all right? That's awesome. And, and so what I'd like for you to do is just go ahead and really seriously, you can just look down right now, circle which one you think you're at, just so you will know, all right? So what I want to do right now is I want to end with two thoughts based off where we think we're at, and what I think God wants us to, to really walk away understanding about this passage. Two things. First one is this. Number one, God calls us to serve in His church. God calls you. God calls me to serve in His church. That's something that God said, whenever you become a Christ follower, whenever you become a believer, if you're a part of my family, then we've got a role for you. Every family has a place, a function, an area where the family members play a role, right? In this house, we, Jesus is the head of our church. We have the head, that's Jesus. Some of us are better hands, some of us are better feet, some of us are better, you know, parts, serve different areas, use our gifts differently of the church, but we all play a part, and this functions well, and we get it done well when we're all playing our role. So if you're part of the family, you've got a role. There's a role for you. So God calls us to serve in his church. Um, Paul talks about this in the Bible, the Apostle Paul. And in Romans 12, 6 through 8, he explains uh, how this looks in a church, how we all play a role, and how our gifts are very unique. I look around this room. I, I know many, many, many of you. And I know some really unique, different styles of gifts and personalities. And I've seen how you've used them. And I've seen how, like, when you use your gift, you're like, man, I like using my gift. It feels good when I'm being more of how God made me to be. And I think God applauds when we're using our gifts. So Paul talks about this. In chapter 12, he explains this as it pertains to the church and using our gifts in the church. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy speak with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If your gift is, or if you have given your leader, excuse me, if God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So there's seven different gifts here. You may not know exactly which one's yours, but here's the thing. When you give your life to Jesus, God comes into your heart, comes in your life. Uh, God begins to uh, grow your giftedness. It's not different than your personality from birth, but as you become a Christ follower, all of a sudden those gifts, those strengths, 
really begin to come alive because God begins to fan the flame in your life so you can exercise what God says about this passage. God wants us to be full. He wants us to be satisfied. He wants us to be growing spiritually and growing closer to Him. So when we're using our gifts, we're actually becoming more like Christ because He wired us that way. So Paul talks about this. So let me just give you an example. Um, let's just say you're, you're having a, uh, th- th- there's been a big dinner. You're at the dinner. It's, an, it's Italian night at your family's house. Got all your relatives there, uh, maybe some friends, and just close connections, close relationships, like a real you know, close-knit group. They all know each other well. And it's Italian night, and here comes Mama, you know, Mama, who's the Italian? Mama Cito, I don't know. I'm going Spanish. So I'm from Miami, right? Mama Cito, no, she's not Spanish. Uh, Mama what? Mama Mia, there we go, Mama Mia. All right, so she's wheeling in, and they've got all, my daughter's cracking up on the front row. My dad's so goofy. Um, so Mama Mia's walking in, and she's got two of the biggest lasagna pans you've ever seen, right? She's walking in with, like, the best-smelling lasagna. As she's walking by, everybody, they're smelling this aroma of this, like, unbelievable ricotta cheese and oh, mozza, mozzarella, that's how she would say it, um, <clears throat> And she's wheeling in with this stuff, and all of a sudden, she catches her foot on a piece of carpet, and both pans go flying out of her hand. One pan whacks like, you know, Cousin Zito uh, in the face, and he's got lasagna, like just pow. Half of it hits his face, the other part goes past him, hits like half of the side of the room, all up on the walls. The other side hits like a light, and the, the, the glass that was holding the lasagna... It shatters, goes everywhere, and stuff just kind of just explodes. Like there's, like, there's like red sauce and ricotta and mozzarella and noodles everywhere. So all of a sudden, you got like the worst mess. Everybody's eyes are like as big as saucers. And instantly, what happens at that moment? Everybody in the room does what they were made and born and what God wired them to do. All of a sudden, people start jumping up. The leader jumps up. He's like, hey, everybody, quick, you guys go run in the kitchen and get this. Hey, Cousin Bob, Zito, Louis, Louis Zamarini. <laughs> it's from a movie. Uh, you start helping with that, and all of a sudden people start activating. The leader jumps up, he does his part. The encourager, oh my gosh, the encourager. They jump, and they're like, hey, everybody, it's going to be fine. It's not going to be a worry. We, we, this is not a big deal, everybody. Come on. Lift your spirits up. This is, we, can, we can work. All of a sudden, the guy who's generous, he's already been on the phone. He's calling Papa John's right now. He's like, Papa John's, hey, I need like 40 pizzas right now. Yeah, breadsticks, yeah, what else do you guys got? You don't have that? He's on the phone calling, you know, every other place in town. People are on the way. He's like, I got this. No, 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 I got this. And he's like trying to do this probably on his own so no one knows. He's already paid for it all. You got everything happening all at once. You got people jumping on their knees. Man, they're on their knees. They're like scrubbing. They're like, quick, quick, quick. We got to get it off the walls before it seeps into the sheetrock. We got to hurry. You got servants serving. You got the kindness person. The kindness person. Uh, it's, it's also like in the Bible listed as mercy. The mercy person. They're like weeping right now. Like, oh my gosh. Mama Mia, we're so sorry for you. We know you work so hard. 
Right? Every mom right now is feeling good right now, right? Because you've dropped something and the food's gone bad or it's not been good. And the, the, the encourager's just hugging on Mama Mia and they're like weeping with her, right? Just so, we're so sorry giving just, just an absorbent amount of mercy and mercy and mercy. Right? You got all these gifts going on. You got the teacher. The teacher jumps up and the teacher's making notes. This is how this could have been avoided. Mama, Mia, we love you, but I could, I, I could show you next time how to avoid this. And they go through educating everybody and give all the proper protocols of how not to walk with two in your hand, but one in your hand, right? Someone should have an assistant walking with you if you're holding two in a hand. And so the teacher's, you know, writing this down, and people are doing all of this. The person, the prophecy person, I can't forget this. Prophecies, like looking at everybody, looking at the kindness person and the encourager and the teacher, like, Psh. You people, this should never have happened in the first place, right? If, if you would have just been more precautious, and the, the, the prophecy person, the person, that they, they're going to tell the truth at all expense, right? They can't hold back. They cannot not say what they're thinking. They're going to say it, and it's going to come out as crystal clear and as blunt as possible. That's your prophecy people, all right? So this is what it would look like at a... Big Italian dinner if everybody played their role. But here's what happens. What if someone doesn't play their role? What if someone, what if two or three people don't play their roles? Then what happens is it's just not, it's not going to work. They're never going to be as good as they possibly can be. And here's the thing. When God organized this after Jesus left the earth, he gave us an unbelievable mission that gifts, that gifts us purpose. I run into people all the time that they're either out of work, been laid off, and you want to see a guy or a girl begin to lose their way, it's when they lose their purpose. People lose their purpose, or they, they start to get to where their job means nothing to them any longer, or they get to a place even in their own family, and maybe they're struggling themselves. But when people lose their way, they lose their purpose, man, they begin to lose life. And so God set this up, designed it so we would have purpose. But when we, when we think of everything through the lens of how does it help, how does it serve, how does it fill me, then we get to a place where we're going to lose, 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 lose our way and our life in every shape and fashion. But the way we win, both personally and corporately as a church, is if we will recognize that the food that Jesus was talking about was, was the food of filling others up, serving others, thinking about others more than we think about ourselves. So God set this up. And my hope is this. I pray, my prayer is for this church. Our, our prayer is that this church would be the absolute very best at not completely getting everything and like being perfect Christians. No, I, I pray our church would be best. And any time God pricks your heart, you take a small, simple step. If God leads you today, and my hope today would be, if you would be honest and say, here's where I'm at on the consumer versus the contributor side. If I'm real low, maybe, maybe just maybe, I'm, I'm kind of malnourished spiritually. And I recognize this is an area where I can, I, God can grow me in my life. And my hope is that somewhere you would start connecting with people in God's church 
and finishing the work that God left us to do. Why? Because there's men, there's women, there's children in this city and across the globe that don't know Jesus. And our hope is that Jesus would come back someday and take us and we'd all return with Christ in heaven. He has not come back yet because the job's still not done. There's still people that don't know. And the way God wants them to know is by seeing our good efforts and good deeds. And here's what's cool. There's people all across our church that, got, that are using their gifts right now. I mean, some unbelievable, incredibly gifted people that we see every week that are just doing it and getting it done. And I see them, and I see the people who are serving. I see happy. I see joy. I see fulfillment. I see challenge. I see purpose. Let me tell you a couple. Jenna, Jenna who's one of my favorites, saw her this morning. She was bebopping in. She was running down the hallway. Kids saying, hey, Miss Jenna. Miss Jenna, she works in our kids, my kids area. This is a picture of Jenna. She got her Tom Cruise Ray, uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses on. Yep, there's Jenna, right? That's actually her son. But I'll tell you, I can't tell you how many kids I have seen and parents walk down this hallway to check their kids in to my kids, and they see Jenna and they light up. Why? Because she's an encourager. She's like, these are like the most positive, bubbly encourager that I know. And when she remembers the kids' names and she hugs them and kisses them, and she's a cute little blonde and she's like, happy, happy, happy. The parents are like, I like this place. I think I'll come back again. Why? Because we got, we've got an encourager in like the, one of the best roles we could have her in. Uh, I love Brandon. Brandon's one of my favorite guys who's on our parking team because he is a servant. He doesn't, he's, not, he's not a greeter at the front door. He didn't talk that much, right? He, he's, he's kind of quieter. I mean, he can talk. He's talkative. He, but he's a guy that's just an amazing servant. He's not trying to be recognized. So guess what he's doing? He's on our parking team. He actually gets here before the parking team and sets up for the parking team. Isn't that crazy? I try to catch him on the way in and talk to him, and he's like, nope, got to go, got to keep working, got to go, got to go. But I'm the pastor of the church, man, stop and talk to me. Nope, got to set up, bro, got, got work to get done. And he's setting flags out, he's setting cones up, he's setting just stuff out that gives directions and all that kind of stuff. Brandon's a servant, and he loves it. And he and his wife and his family, man, they're gelling and they're growing along with us because he's come out of the stands and he's playing ball on part of a team. Uh, Julio is one of my favorites. Big Julio Gonzalez. He's a, he's a great friend of ours. He's about to, uh, can I say this? Can I say, he's about to, Hernandez. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to see if you caught that I was wrong. Um, Julio Hernandez. I say Julio Gonzalez because I have a longtime family member who's uh, married to Gonzalez. So anyway, so um, that didn't even come out right, did it? Anyways, just don't track with everything I'm saying right now. So Julio, let's just back to Julio Hernandez. Julio has the gift of leadership. And it is so apparent. He can walk into any situation, assess the situation. It probably helps he's a military guy. He can assess the situation. He can recognize the needs. He can recognize what needs to be improved. And he just makes stuff happen. He includes others in. He recruits. He trains. He develops other people. He's one of the best kid leaders we've got. Phenomenal guy. Not only that, all throughout the week, he's fired up. He loves serving in our, in our M2540 ministry. And, like, he just has this ability to, to, to lead well. And 
and, and people follow. He's got charisma. And so I love the fact that all across our church, we have people that are using their gifts. People using their gifts, leveraging their gifts for what God's doing, and because of that, they grow. So, second thing is this. God calls you to serve as His church. So first one, God calls you to serve in the church. Second, God calls you to serve as His church. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says this. You are the light of the world. That's us. When, we're, when you become a Christ follower, God comes in us. God wants to leverage us, our stories, our failures, our struggles, and our gifts for somebody else's forever. Right? We become a light to others. We are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. That's because all the people live in it. And they're in that town. And it becomes brighter. Neither do... Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your what? Your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know what I see? I wrote this down earlier. I see a church where people give more than they receive. I see that kind of church. I see our church becoming that kind of church where we are we're leveraging our gifts and our strengths. I see a church where people serve more than they've been served. I see a church where people love more than they've been loved. I see a church passionate about reaching the next generation. Hello. I mean, I look around our city, you know the population of students in connected to churches in our city, elementary, young, all the way through elementary to high school. It's it's a higher percentage than what it is for adults. Less and less and less and less kids are finding their way back to God because there's no one modeling out there what it really looks like. I, I see a church that doesn't judge those without Christ but loves them in the family of God. I see a church where everyone uses their gifts in the church to equip the body of Christ. I see a church that uses their gifts as the church to be the light of the world. See, I think God wants to use us. I think if you would be honest with yourself and you would say, we're stuck, we're not really growing, could it be that you're not connected like you think to the church because you're not serving in and through it? You're not being the church. Here's my hope. My hope is that today you would simply say yes. Yes. Plug me in somewhere. Let me serve somewhere. Get me in somewhere. And here's how you can do that. Grab one of our communication cards on your way out today and just say, I want to serve somewhere. We'll do the work. We'll, we'll connect. We'll help you find a good spot. We'll help you find a place where you're gifted. We'll, we'll, we'll train you. We'll get you all caught up in how things roll around here. We can get you on a pretty simple structure where you, you know, if you're out of town or whatever, we get you served every other week or whatever. But listen, don't miss this. Maybe today is a chance for you to take one small spiritual step of saying, God, I want to go with you and fill others up. Help me to think less of myself and more of others. Let's pray. Lord, we just, we pause, and God, we acknowledge that all this is because of you. 
You gave your life. You sacrificed. You offer us hope and freedom through a growth, through growing by being connected to you and your church. God, I pray that you would take this church and you would grow it in such a way, God, that we would all play a role in helping people find their way back to God. God, I pray for every man, woman, and child in this city who does not know you, and I pray that this church would play its part well and that we could reach every man, woman, and child in this city for you. God, thank you for the stories that have been written here. I pray that you would challenge people today. In your name I pray, amen.